Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Why don't you just lift your hands toward Heaven, Father? We are so grateful, so thankful to be here this morning. We are... We're not able to be here without your help, God. And as we remind ourselves, when we look and ask ourselves, where does my help come from? God, I'm so thankful that people got up this morning and said, well, my help comes from the Lord. And Lord, there are some things that you've asked us to do, and one of these things is that out of the busyness of a week, that we take a moment, that we take a day, and that we set it aside and declare a day of rest, just resting in you. This morning, Lord God, as we come, we come, and the word will cause and bring such a calm. Do you know sometimes when you, uh, you sing to your children or uh, you just read to your children, it brings such a peace over them. God, may your word bring that kind of peace to us then. And so, Father, we know that everybody is ripping, everybody is running, and many people are anxious about many things. But God, thank you for your peace. And that passes all understanding, and thank you for your word. The entrance of your word gives us light. And that light, once it is illuminated and we are illuminated on the inside, we're supposed to let it shine. Father, may what we hear today cause us to be even more brilliantly shining in our home and in our workplaces, in our community. And as we engage our society, Father, we engage them with the good news that we have heard. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God, may your blessings come upon your people and literally overtake them. Goodness and mercy follow them all the days of their life. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. You remember when we were talking about this word amen, we said the word amen really means you are in agreement. And it's important to agree, not that you see yourself saying, well, I'm agreeing with pastor. No, you're agreeing with Jesus. Because all pastor's responsibility is to do is to break the word open for you. Amen. How many of you know that as parents, there are times where you put everything on the plate, you put everything on the table, but it's the responsibility of the child to what? Eat. At a point in time when your child was small, you, as we would say, kind of fed them. I don't want to use the word force fed them, but you fed them. You opened their mouth, you put the spoon in, you put the food on the spoon, and you put it in their mouth. But there came a time where you knew that your child could actually handle that spoon, handle that fork, perhaps, and that they needed to put that substance into their own body. This is the time where I believe that God is saying, it's your responsibility to take the word, to chew it. Do you understand that's what meditation is really about, that you're uttering the word over and over? You're muttering it to yourself. It's not something where you chant and hum. And, but when you meditate on God's word, you're taking a scripture and you're letting yourself hear it. And the reason that you're letting yourself hear it, because the Bible says faith is coming. Amen. When that faith comes, all of a sudden the word becomes, and this is a word that you hear, and most of you probably just thought it was a church name, but it's rhema. Rhema means that it comes alive. How many of you know the word is living? The word is living, and God wants you to take the living word and let it live inside of you. 
And that's why you can take hold of a scripture then that says, greater is he that's in me than anything that I'm going to face where in this world. And then the Bible says, in him you now what? Live. You now move. This is how you have your being. This is something that God is saying to you, I'm covenant, I'm going to cut a covenant with you. And so last week we started on that subject matter, a covenant-keeping God. And I want you to focus on the fact that not that how men treat contracts or agreement, but we're talking about a God who says, my yea is a yea, my nay is a nay. None of God's words, none of them fall to the ground. Whatever God sends his words to do, it will do it. Amen? Amen. God says, I'm not slack concerning my promises. Now, all of us can relate to some individual and say, this person promised me or they promised me or that person promised me. And how many of you have had somebody not keep their promise? God says, don't put him in that category because he is not slack concerning his promises. He keeps his promises. His promises are put into this word covenant. Covenant means to cut. And I, I share with you how the Lord shared with me, and I was in Williamsburg, Virginia, when I was listening to the Lord concerning this message. He says, just take the word cut itself, put it into an acronym. I'm a God who communicates with you. I'm a God who gives you understanding. How many of you know God gives you wisdom? But in all you're getting, he also gives you what? Understanding. And he says, but in this communication, in this sense of understanding, I need a people who will trust me. How many of you trust the Lord this morning? Amen. This is why the Bible says, don't keep leaning to your own understanding. Acknowledge God. Learn how to trust God. And you know, I, last week I used an example and said, you trust people to a certain extent. Anybody who got your first job, whenever you got it, and we have some kids in here and said, I don't have my first job yet, but maybe your parents gave you a job and they promised you something from whatever task or chore that you were doing. And they kept that promise. But I, 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 I put it in this way, and I said, many of you worked 40 hours, didn't you? before you ever got a paycheck. And I'm pretty sure you did not go in there and say, Mrs. Boss Lady, or Mr. Boss Man, let me see the accounts. I want to make sure you got the money that you have promised me. No, you didn't ask that question at all. Matter of fact, when they said, show up at this time, on this day, you were there smiling you had a job and you were trusting the employer to fulfill their promise to you and so then I said to you why not trust God why not trust God like that God gives a covenant God gives you a promise why do we tend to say to God you got to show me something before I actually take action on it well, the Bible is saying to you, you and I are supposed to walk by what? Faith, not by sight. Why is that so important? Because most of the things, the Bible says, the things that are unseen are more real 
than the things that you see. Folks, we could, I, I start to bring in a list. I went in, I picked it up, but I set it back down. I could have carried you to a list of great promises that people made to people concerning Bitcoin, concerning stock, concerning insurance, concerning a lot of things that people put their whole life into, only to find that they came up what? Empty. Broken promises. No one, and I can say this from the guarantee of the word, no one will come up short with what God has promised. No one will come up empty with what God has promised. And so we begin to talk about the fact in covenant, there are several covenants, and I probably couldn't go through all of the covenants that I found in the Bible in a year. There are many promises, and one of the things I urge you to do, and look, I'm not going to check your homework. I mean, you had a teacher that sometimes would give you homework, but they wouldn't check your homework. What they were trying to see, do you take initiative? Is it important for you? Is it important for you to go and take initiative and find out for yourself? See, you have to seek God. The Bible puts it like this. It says, you're working out your own soul's salvation. You are discovering day to day that morning by morning, God is a God that's pouring out new mercies. But if you don't ever want to look, how many of you know the Bible says, ask, seek, knock? Who has to do that, though? You do. And this is a covenant-keeping God who said, I've laid out some things for you. And one of those covenants that we started with last week, and we're going to do this with a slide presentation, and I hope you'll be able to read Pastor's slide, uh, uh, just kind of in a PowerPoint. Uh, guys, if you can bring that up. God is a God of covenant. Now, you remember the Ark of the Covenant? That was to be in the midst of the people to remind them, you are working with a God who will always be there with you, who will always protect you, who will surround you with favor like a shield. When you go out into the battle, your God will battle for you. How many realize that that's why they wanted the Ark of the Covenant everywhere they were going? They knew, they had an assurance, God's with us. They couldn't see God, they couldn't touch God, and there were only a few people appointed to carry this Ark. This is why you see the rods on the other side. The priests were supposed to heist this up and it was supposed to be something that would be visible for the multitude of people that would follow. What if God said to us to lift up? Now, we're to lift up Jesus. Somebody shout, Jesus. Lift up Jesus. And the Bible says it begins to draw people. It begins to draw people. Next slide, if we could, please. Uh, the, the covenant that I began to share with you Next slide. We'll move from that because that's the definition of covenant. It's an agreement. I want you to know that biblical covenants are different than the kind of agreements that you enter in. How many of you have bought a car? Let me re rephrase that. How many of you have financed a car? Because it's not yours until you have paid it off. And you realize that if you break that agreement, you decide, look, in January, I'm not making the payment. I want to do something else. Most of the time, the something else that we want to do is amusement. 
when I was, I don't know, I, I take words and I look up words. I, definitions are, it's important for you to get understanding. And if you've been using words and sometimes you say, do I know how to define that word? It might require you to stop for a minute and say, I need to stop saying this until I understand what it is. And I, and I, and, and I, I was just running through statistics of how much money is spent in amusement. And we're talking well in excess, just in America alone, of $15 billion. Folks, more than that will be spent on the Super Bowl in it's one week. But it's all about amusement. And so when I begin to break the word down, amusement, you can't pull out this word muse. And muse means that you're actually thinking. How many of you know God wants you to be thinking? A lot of people don't want to think. Philippians chapter 4 says, you and I are supposed to think on some things. Things that are good. Things that are lovely. Things that are pure. Things that are just. Things that are of a good report. And he says, when you think on these things, then the God of who? Peace. The God of covenant. He's with you. But then... Interestingly enough, when you put that little A on there and call it amusement, amusement means I don't think. Why do people go to the movie? I don't want to think. Why are they immersed in television? I don't want to think. Do you understand that most entrepreneurs spend little time focusing on amusement? They spend time on what? The, the ideas, the witty inventions, the creative ideas that God's speaking to them. They start businesses. I, I, I see Benita there, and, and Benita is always trying to get you guys to realize you can be totally out of debt. But most of us are in debt because of our amusement. Things that we can just say, um, you, you remember how, what's the expression that they use when you, you binge on television or you veg out? Veggies, you become veggies. And you know a vegetable doesn't think. You don't want to be vegging out. You want to be meditating in God's word, what? Day and night. And the Bible says you are then taking initiative to do something with what you have been meditating on, and then you will make your way what? Prosperous. Now, for those of you so technical, it says meditate in it day and night and observe to do it. That's what I mean when I say take initiative. Observe to do it. You can't just be a hearer of God's word. You also must be a what? Doer. You must be a doer. Why am I not being blessed? Are you doing? I come to church. I, I come to church every week. Are you doing what you heard? Are you living the word? Or just settling with listening to the word? You must listen, yes. But you must go beyond that listening to now what? Living it. It's the same thing for me. I can't just stand here and preach it. God may give you a gift, and you preach it. 
But preaching won't just get you in heaven. It's living it. Coming to church won't get you into heaven. It's living. In him you what? Live. In him you move. In him you have your being. The word is now you. Even in where? Your mouth. You can now resist the devil and the devil will do what? Flee. Because the word does not return void. The devil has to back up every time you use the word. But oftentimes, we use our emotional words and not the word of God. And that's where the devil defeats you. All of us remember Jesus having fasted 40 days and 40 nights, right? You remember that the Bible tells us that when Jesus came out of that point of fasting, which we would probably say he was at a weakened state. And look, the devil is looking for a weakness in your life. Everybody say this. In 2023, in 2023 I, will be I will be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might, be strong in the Lord. Don't allow yourself to be weak because the devil is looking for a weakness. And God said, but you can be strong. You can be bold. You can be very courageous. You remember that's how he addressed Joshua in the second chapter, in the seventh chapter. He continuously reminded Joshua, you need to be strong, young man. You need to be very courageous, young man. You don't just sit. You don't just take a position of, you know, neutrality. And I, I, I'm finding so many people who take neutral places, and I'm saying, you won't win this year then. In 2023, victory, victory, victory will not be yours because you have decided to sit on the banks of Jordan rather than to step into the Jordan. Look, it looked impossible to cross the Red Sea, but you had to do what? Take a faith step. It looked impossible to cross the Jordan River, but somebody had to take what? A faith step. It is not just saying, I'm going to sit and I'm going to be healed. No, you have to get up. Faith requires you to walk. How many of you walk sitting down? You might scoot on your butt for a while, but it's going to get sore, and you're going to stop. You have to walk. This is a year of walking. This is why the very first message God gave us for 2023 is take off. And what if you were taking off? Two-sided to that. You are to take off every weight and sin that does so easily beset you that you might be able to do what? Run. And this is what I said, if a plane is going to take off on the run runway, that navigator and that pilot are, are, are making sure that it's full throttle. This is a year of full throttle. And when you have full throttle, you will be able to get something called lift, take off. But you're taking off so that you can get to an altitude, what we would call cruising altitude. Where you're above the storm. You're above the situation. How many of you know God wants you to be above and not beneath? When you decide that you're going to just sit. Come on. Anybody ever had to sit on the runway? 
Were you praising the Lord during that time? Me either. It's a frustrating thing. You have gotten there early. You have gone through security. They pull you out of the line and say, with a little wine on you. You said, am I going to make my flight? They told you when you got there, hey, yours way too much. You got to, you know, I, I went to one on one particular flight. They said, your baggage weighs too much. How much can you put in your bags now? 50 pounds? And somebody said 40. They reduced it. Well, this was during the 50-pound era. And they said, yours is overweight. It was reading 60 pounds. I said, I know my, you know, I had one of those little cheap scales that you put on the handle and pull it up, and it said 47. So I said, I know I'm all right. But I got to the airport, and they said 60. I reached in and took out a shoe. <laughs> and it went back down. I know my shoes don't weigh no 10 pounds. I may have a big foot, but it doesn't weigh 10 pounds. Just spoke of the calibration of the scales. It's totally off. But there are some things that you have to take off if you're going to get to that place where you're not weighted down. In 2023, all I'm trying to encourage you, don't be weighted down. Don't be kept weighted down with the cares of this world. Cast your cares on, over onto God because God cares for you. He's a covenant keeping God. Here's one of the areas that has plagued perhaps a whole world. Next slide, please. What are some of these biblical covenants that I want you to see today? The covenant of healing. I started there last week. I didn't adequately finish that. You need to write these scriptures down though. Because God can see to it that sickness does not defeat you. I will not tell you as a pastor that sickness will not attack you. I will not tell you that you'll go to a doctor and the doctor will say, oh, you've got this or you've got that. What you've got to get to the point to is when they say that, you start saying what you have in your covenant. How many of you know you have a covenant of healing? Look, I, I think it's important for me to read. Let me grab my Bible real quick or my note so that we read this scripture from 15, Exodus 15, 26 that you see on the screen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Uh, pastor's eyes are healed in Jesus' name. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these disease or none of the disease on you which I have put on the Egyptian. For I, the Lord, am your healer. This is why we know him today as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, our healer. Say, he's my healer. He's my healer. And none of these sicknesses will he put on you. And I don't care what name is named, the Bible is showing you, is subject to the name of Jesus. Weapons may be formed, but they won't prosper because you have a covenant of healing. Say, I have a covenant of healing. Look, you may have come in with a pain. You may be at home watching and you have a pain. Confend it to go in the name of Jesus because you have a covenant and a covenant keeping God that says that won't prosper. 
That must go. Come on. Have you ever seen people put up signs that says no trespassing? What does a no trespassing sign mean? You're going to have to pass on through here. You can't stop here. You can't settle here. You can't make a house here. No trespassing. That's what Exodus 15, 26 is. No trespassing. When it comes to sickness and disease, you must know you got a no trespassing covenant with God concerning sickness and disease. I will see to it. God said, I will see to it that none of this, not you, not your physician, not your pastor, not God will see to it. God will see to it. God will see to it that none of that sickness comes on you. Go to Psalm 107 in your Bible. Psalm 107, you see the scripture there, verses 17 through 20. While you're turning there, I'm going to have to move forward. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Remember what the covenant said? None of this sickness will come on you. What does Psalm 107 show us? Why did the affliction come on people? It's because it says, it's fools, you were being foolish concerning the things. Folks, I, I put it like this. It's not in all cases, but in most cases, sickness comes on people because of sin. In most cases, we open the door for the devil. Some of you know you're supposed to eat or not eat certain things. And you just choose to do the opposite. Stay away from that salt. Oh, man, I got to have some salt. Hypertension, blood pressure off the charts. Oh, Lord, I got to have some sugar. I mean, your body don't know what to do with all that sugar. So it turns it into fat. Nobody talking about, well, I prayed all of the fat out of this in Jesus' name. God said, what? That is not scriptural at all. See, you can't turn the word of God and try to make it fit the life you want to live. God is turning you so that you can live the life that God wants you to live, a life more abundantly. I've come that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it what? More abundantly. But in the more abundance, you're laying aside some things. But most often, again, don't, 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 don't shoot the messenger. Because you have to see what the scripture says. It says, fool, because of their, their rebellious way and because of their iniquity, iniquities were afflicted. The soul abhorred all kinds of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them. Folks, if you know that you've been abusing the temple of God, cry out to the Lord. The Lord will save you. But he's going to tell you, don't go back there. 
There are scriptures that you can look at as references to remind you that God is a loving God. God is a forgiving God. Jesus fought, caught a woman. On, he didn't catch her, but people caught her in the act of adultery. They didn't bring the man. They just brought her. And they put her before Jesus, and people were ready to stone her. You remember that. And Jesus called all of them out on their sin. He said, you who are without sin, then you be the first one to throw the stone. But nobody threw a stone. As a matter of fact, all they did was drop the stone and leave and after a while there was nobody standing but the lady and Jesus folks do you realize when it's in the last it's just going to be you and Jesus and here's the loving uh, heart of Jesus he says to the woman where are your accusers remember her reply her reply there are none and Jesus said well you're overlooking me now but I'm not going to accuse you but everybody say but what, 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 why do we use that word, B-U-T, but? We're not talking about human anatomy now, folks. Why do we use the word but? It's a, come on, English educator. It's a contrast. You're about to make a transition here, but he says, but go and sin no more. Why had this come on? Why was she about to be stoned to death? Don't get comfortable in your sin. Everything hidden will be revealed. You, you can hide it from me for years, but you can't hide nothing from God. You can hide it from this congregation for years, but you can't hide nothing from God. You need to live holy and be holy as God is holy. Folks, this is like when you go to the job and somebody gives you a responsibility and perhaps you're handling the cash. You should be able to handle the cash without ever putting any of the cash in your pocket. Because why? You're holy. You're living holy as God is holy. I share with you a friend of mine who I know in Philadelphia as a pastor that I met at a promise keepers and he and I stayed in contact for a while. We haven't talked as much of late. But he was sharing his testimony, and I've shared this with you before. He went into a department store there in the city of Philadelphia, and he was there to buy a suit. And he went in, he bought the suit, nice suit, gave the lady five $100 bills. The suit was just slightly less than $500. The lady gave him change back. In other words, the sales clerk, I believe we would call them, gave him change back. He got his suit in the little nice bag that they put it in, and he was going out of the store, and he needed to use an elevator to go down to the next level of the place that he was shopping. And while on the elevator, we men are, 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 are typical of this. People give us change back. We do like this and stick it in our pocket. We don't count it. And he had not counted the amount of change that he got back. But when he got in the elevator, perhaps in a little quiet, private moment, he unfolded that little thing that he folded and put in his pocket and started to count it. But he realized, oh, she gave me too much. She gave me way too much back. Now, if you're not holy and living holy, you go cha-ching. The Lord was blessing me. Mm -mm. 
Your God is a God of integrity. If you lost something, God would help you to find. Because he said everything getting will be what? Revealed. And let the same mind that was in Christ be in you. So this man had the mind of Christ. And so he got to the floor, pushed the elevator, and went back up to the floor. Went back up to the young lady who had given him the change. And he said to her, ma'am, you gave me too much change. He let her see the receipt of how much the suit cost, well, how much change he should have gotten back, but he had gotten in excess of that. As a matter of fact, 100 plus in excess of that. And he was handing it back to her. And the young lady, you are, would think the young lady would say, thank you, thank you, thank you. She said, I know. She says, I was at your church last week and you were preaching on integrity. And I wanted to see if you were a man of integrity. Be careful, church. You will be tested. What you say you live, how you say you live, will come to a test one day. This is why God said, everything that he creates, he's going to put to the test. If it's hay, stubble, it's going to burn up. But if you are the sure thing, do you, how many of you know what happens if you put gold to fire? It, it might melt, but it's still going to be what? How many of you know what happens if I put hay to the fire? <laughs> it's gone. It's nothing but what dross. What is God trying to say to us, folks? Integrity is a part of your healing. Fred Price probably had one of the best little booklets that he would give to people, and it was how to hold on to your healing. And one of the aspects of holding on to your healing is to walk upright before God. What are the key things of your healing for this year of 2023 is that you understand you have a covenant with God. God won't put sickness and disease on you, but you've got to do your part and not be foolish and live holy. Next slide. i got to get through these. Wow. Miss Miriam, would you be the watcher of the clock today? Don't let Pastor go past 11 o'clock, okay? <laughs> she says that's a test. Miracle working God. Amen. Covenant number two, and, and, and again, I'm going to just give you five, but that's not the totality of the covenant that God has given to his people. The covenant of deliverance and victory. Everybody say victory. 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 Do you know that's our theme this year? In 2023, victory, victory, victory. God can see to it that, I know that's a miss, that your enemies are scattered. I know you see the word you. Uh, forgive, Pastor, he's human. But God can see that your enemies are scattered. Because God wants to give you a victory. The enemy, how many of you know what the devil comes to do? He comes to do what? You got it. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God comes as you might have victory after victory after victory after victory. 
God comes that you might be blessed, that the blessings may come upon you and overtake you, and that goodness and mercy will be doing what? Following you, and then following you what? All the days of your life. In Deuteronomy 28.1, the reference that you see on the screen, it says this. Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. I love what God will do with his people who will be obedient. How many of you know that God wants you to be able to lend to nations and not borrow? In other words, how many of you are open for a million dollar blessing this year? Raise your hand. I'm not talking about no mega millions. I'm not talking about no lottery. I'm talking about a God-given idea, a witty invention, a new business, a new opportunity. I'm talking about something, clients that are coming in mass to you. Some of you that have had dreams and you're not acting on the dream and God is saying it's your year now to put the dream into play. Some of you that God says, you know, I will bless it if you'll just go ahead and do that catering business, but you have not started. Who is that? Stand up. Oh, I've got to pray for you. You were supposed to start a catering business years ago, and you didn't. Who are you? You're here. You just don't want to admit it. Okay. You missed the blessing there. Verse number seven. Look at this. I know I didn't miss God on that, that catering. Somebody was supposed to start catering, and God was going to bless your business so greatly. Verse 7 says, The Lord shall cause your enemies to rise up against you, or, or cause the enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will come out, out against you one way and will flee before you seven ways. Look, I'm not telling you the enemy won't try to come at you, but I'm telling you he can't defeat you. And God says, if he come at you one way, God, God, God so powerful, he'll cause him to flee seven ways. In other words, do you understand why the seven ways? How could one demon flee seven ways? Because usually demons that God has already cleaned out come back with what? Seven worse than before. And God said, even if they thought about coming, when they see what God will do for you, they run. This is the kind of covenant keeping God you and I are serving that is causing your enemies be, to be scattered. Because why? You're letting God arise. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 8, this is the charge that I was giving you before. This is a charge to Joshua. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, verse 2, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the soles of your foot shall tread, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea, toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. Now, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you, 
I will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you may have success wherever you go. How many of you would like to have success wherever you go? Well, don't turn from the word of God. Don't turn from the call of God on your life. Don't turn from the things that God has shown you to do. God never turned from his promise. God never turned. The Bible says there is no shadow of turning with God. God is a God that's saying to you, I will deliver you. And I will give you the victory. They are standing by the Jordan, sitting by the Jordan, murmuring and complaining by the Jordan. And God is saying, look, Moses wasn't your success. God is your success. Get your eyes on God. Sometimes, folks, people don't realize they're not yet following God. They're still following people. They're not following God. They're still following people. And sometimes the people that you're following will die. Sometimes the people that you're following will fall by the wayside. Sometimes the people that you're following, you'll find out they weren't going where you thought they were going. But God says, you're only supposed to follow people as you can be certain they're following God. So he says to Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. You get your eyes back where they should be. Where should your eyes be? I will look to the hill from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Where should my eyes be? Stayed on him. Focused on him. Meditating in the word. The Bible says what? Day and night. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. These scriptures as you see in Romans 8.37 and Romans 8 and 1 is reminding you God loves those who love him. You say, doesn't God love everybody? Yes, he does. But he blesses those. The, the, the promises of God come with condition. The love of God is unconditional. So here's the key. God loves the whole world. But if you're going to get the blessings of God, he says, then it's because you have also embraced the conditions which he tells you the blessings will come. How many of you know, when will God open the windows of, of heaven and pour you out a blessing? When will he do this? What has taken place for God to now open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing? What have you been? You've been obedient to bring your tithe and you brought your offering. And God says, obedience. Now obedience, I'm going to reward it. Obedience, I'm going to load that person today with benefits. Obedience, I'm going to pour out new mercies on them. Obedience is better than sacrifice. What happens? What is God saying? Disobedience, sacrifice. You're sacrificing. You're sacrificing your health. You're sacrificing your wealth. You're sacrificing your relationships. You're sacrificing because of disobedience. 
but obedience. God says, I love you. It brings God great pleasure to pour out his treasure on you. If I were to put kids before you, which kind of child do you really want to bless? A little child that's running around, acting all crazy, kicking you on the shin, acting, acting like they ain't got no training at all. Do you really want to bless them? He's like, where are their parents? You get this little child out. You know, back in the day, they said baby kids. I had to find out what was a baby kid. I was like, ooh, man, they're pretty jacked up. But a child that's just loving, just kind, just tenderhearted. Miss Pat has to watch me because she said, honey, you'll give all our money away. I will. I'll bless that child. And that's what God does. He will do exceeding abundantly above all you could even ask or think because he sees obedience in you. How many of you realize what God did with Solomon? When he saw how Solomon wasn't a greedy man. Solomon wasn't a self-indulgent man. Because you remember what God asked Solomon? He said, Solomon, if you could have anything. As he stepped into this position of being king now after his father, David. Solomon is the son of David. And so Solomon is now becoming the king. And he says, you can have anything. And what did Solomon say that he wanted? I know what most of you have said. I want that mega million, Pastor. <laughs> Not Solomon. Solomon says, wisdom. This is a great people. Your people, God, and I don't know how to rule them. Only you know how to really rule them. So I need the same wisdom that you use, God, to be able to be using it on the earth. And God says, I like it, I like it, I like it. What did God do with Solomon? You realize Solomon not only got wisdom and became the wisest man, Solomon got riches beyond riches. Every time somebody showed up at Solomon's door, they were bringing gold and silver and all types of precious things to him. They were just blessing him. The blessings were coming. How many of you know the Bible says, when you give, it shall be what? Given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together, running over, shall who bring? See, that's what God is saying. He can put it in the hearts of people to start blessing you. You'll be walking by and somebody say, no, the Lord told me to bless you today. And they're just, they're just, we call it a Pentecostal handshake. They're giving you a Pentecostal handshake. And when you get out, you're just blessed. I, I share it with you. I, I think I share it with you. I don't share it with the kids. I had a certain amount of money in my pocket, in my wallet. I'm not a cash guy much anymore. I like to use these cards or do it on, electronically. But on this particular occasion, I had several hundred dollars in my wallet. I'd taken my brother-in-law, and I think I shared this story last week, but I'll, I'll share it again, just to show you how good God is. I'd taken my brother-in-law, and I was trying to encourage him to buy him a new set of golf clubs and not just look for me to pass down my set to him. 
but I couldn't get him to budge, and I laughed at him. I said, Robert, you're never going to buy a set of clubs. But that's all right. I'm still going to bless you. I'll give you this set. And I had taken him to lunch. We sat and we had a great time. And I got into my vehicle, and unbeknown to me, I dropped my wallet. My wallet was out in the parking lot of a major, busy restaurant, mall-type area. I drove from Anne Arundel back to here to my office only to realize, and I had on this Adidas sweatsuit, and I had, didn't have any pockets, you know, and I stuck it in the pocket of the little jacket, and apparently when I got to ready to sit in my big vehicle, the truck, the pocket opened wide, and the wallet fell out, unbeknownst. I got here, and I, you know how you're reaching in your pocket. Oh, my, oh, my, where's my wallet? I go immediately back out to my truck, and you know how you look under the seat, you look everywhere, no wallet. And I said, Lord, where's my wallet? And immediately the Spirit of the Lord says, at the restaurant. I immediately assume, okay, I don't know if it's there, but that's where I dropped it. So I call. I look, you know, how we Google and we look up and I found the name of the restaurant. I call. person put me on hold. Finally, somebody did come. They says, what kind of wallet is, wallet is it? I said, That's a good sign. I said, it's blue. It's a pretty blue wallet. And then she says, we have it. Someone found it in the parking lot, and they brought it here. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff in my wallet, perhaps like you, ladies with your purse, men with your wallet, your driver's license in there. I'm a retired military person. My military ID is in there. AAA cards, credit cards, even the church credit card is in there. How many of you know God will surround you with his favor like a, like a shield? So I went back. I went there, and the lady said, check and see if everything is in there. In there. Everything was in my wallet, the, everything but one thing. $20 was not there. But the person who found the wallet said, I was believing God for $20 to get some gas. <laughs> I was like, God, you've got a sense of humor in it, too. The person took $20 out of the wallet and left a note. They didn't leave a name and a number, but they left a note, said they were believing God. That's the amazing thing about it. They were believing God for $20. I would have given them all the money in the wallet just to get the wallet back. But they just took $20 and let me know they took $20. That was just amazing to me. And I have to tell you, I sat back in my truck and I couldn't move for about 15 minutes because I had to praise God. I had to praise God. Folks, that was right in the Christmas holiday. Do you know what people can do with your credit card in the Christmas holiday? Do you know that the online people don't require a whole lot? They just require your card number. And they had all of the other things that could tell them what was particularly my address, and so they could put the zip code in there. It could have been catastrophe. 
Everybody say, thank God that he's a covenant God. And he keeps his covenant. You can trust God on that. Look at it. Let's go to the third one. I got to get there. Uh, uh, Miriam, you're watching the clock for me. Amen. <laughs> Here's the third one. Here's the third one. The covenant of blessing. Look, this is pretty simple. Deuteronomy 28 and 2 basically says, and these blessings will come on you. Why will these blessings come on you? Because you have decided to covenant with God. You know he won't break his promise, and now you're saying, God, I won't break my promise. It is not like when we were of old and it said, Lord, would you get me out of this? And the Lord got you out of this, and then you forgot that the Lord got you out of this, and the promises that you made to God, they just went out of the window. God is saying, no, whatever you say. How many of you understand when people back in the day, when they brought their offerings to the Lord, they were generally animals. And the priest had the responsibility of sacrificing. Most of you couldn't have stood a service back in the day, I don't think, because it was bloody. It was pretty bloody. Because the priest would have to do what? Life had to be shared, folks. That's what I'm just trying to get you to see. A life had to be shared. Now, we look at the cross and know that a life was given so that we can have life. But in the Old Testament, that's why you have a new and better testament. Everybody that brought the offering, some of you, I, I grew up on a farm, so I know what slaughtering looks like. I know what uh, it looks like when the, the T-bone steak that you just order and cook up and don't think about how the T-bone steak got on your plate. I've seen it from the beginning. The chicken and the chicken wings that we like to eat. I've seen it from its beginning. The whatever type of meat that you like to eat, it had a life. And a life was given to sustain your life. And so it was pretty bloody. Matter of fact, when you dig into it deep, you realize that the priests, the people who were the priests, were ankle deep in blood. And when this sacrifice was made, it was cut in half. If you could imagine a set of glasses being cut in half. And they would walk what we would, you would, can you imagine what a figure eight looks like? Think about the number eight. That means you kind of make a circle here, and you make a circle here. And the priest would be reminding the people, what's yours is God. And what's God is yours. You have brought a sacrifice, and God is saying from heaven, whatever heaven has that you need, you can be assured that it will be supplied. Whatever you have that heaven needs, you are saying to God, surely I will give it. And God says, what will I do? I'll bless you. The blessings will come upon you. The blessings will overtake you. Goodness and mercy will then start to what? Follow you. All the days of your life. Number four, please. Let's go on. The covenant of mercy. How many of you know we need mercy? We need mercy. 
mercy. Great favor for every one of you in 2023 because you serve a God of mercy. Morning by morning, he says, what are you going to see? New mercies. I purpose to kind of share. How many of you remember in the Bible there's a man named Bartimaeus? Anybody remember that name, Bartimaeus? And when we say Bartimaeus, the next thing that comes to us is what? He was blind. And what happened with blind Bartimaeus? He was a man that was making a lot of noise when Jesus was coming by. And the noise that he was making was this. Son of David. Son of David. Have what? Mercy on me. Son of David. Have mercy on me. And what did blind Bartimaeus receive? His sight. God is merciful. What is mercy? What is God's mercy? How many of you know that we have not received what we deserve, but we have received what we didn't reserve? We've received mercy. How many of you have seen people go to the courthouse and say, I throw myself on the mercy of the court? What are you saying, judge? I'm guilty. I did that once. I was in my college days. I was driving down the highway. I was driving 85 miles an hour. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. A state highway trooper got behind my little MG midget convertible. I had the top back just flowing in the wind. Pulled me right over. Wrote a ticket. A ticket I couldn't pay. And I was too scared to tell my daddy I'd gotten a ticket going that fast. So I went to court. How many of you ever went to court with a ticket that you got? Miss Pat went to court one time. But she said, hey, the ticket that I got was unjust. Mine was not unjust. I was doing 85, may have been going faster than that. Kids, do not follow what pastor is telling you right now and decide, pastor did it, I can do it. No, pastor's telling you he shouldn't have done it, and I'm telling you, you shouldn't do it. And there's a consequence. And the consequence for me was I got stopped, I was cited or given a citation, and I went to court. And I threw myself on the mercy of the court. And the judge did not give me what I deserved. He showed mercy. He showed compassion. That's what God does. He shows mercy. He shows compassion. Matthew 5 and 7 is about lepers. And the lepers were crying out, have mercy. And what did Jesus do? Showed compassion. In 2023, folks, all I'm trying to say to you, cry out mercy. There was a man in Florida. I used to love to hear him pray. We were in this church. It was a church that Miss Pat and I got married in 42 years ago. And this young, this man, he's an older man, gray hair, and his name was Mr. Davis. And when Mr. Davis would kneel at the altar, he would just say, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. When is the last time you asked God for mercy? You know that you've been in the wrong. You know that you haven't been quite what you should have been or could have been or, 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 or what God had asked you to be. And you cried out, God, have mercy. This is a year of mercy, folks. It's a year of great mercy for the people of God. Number five, if I could, please. 
The covenant of newness. The covenant of newness. When you say Happy New Year to me, folks, I think I'll start thinking about the newness of covenant. Because God says you have a new covenant. Revelation 21 and 2. We're in this book of Revelation every Wednesday night now. We have covered probably 16 chapters of it and going through. But in Revelation, the 21st verse, it says there's going to be a new Jerusalem. It's going to be a new heaven and it's going to be a new earth. But I'm telling you, it's a new day. It's a new year. It's a new opportunity for the people of God. And God is a covenant-keeping God. And he is ensuring that there is newness coming your way. Say newness is coming my way. Something new, something exciting. Israel Hopton put it into a song. He said, it's a new season. It's a new day. Holy Ghost anointing is coming my way. Come on, somebody stand up and just give God thanks because Holy Ghost anointing is coming your way. God will better his best for you this year. If it's been good, it's going to get better. It's not going to get worse. Somebody shout, it's going to get better. Reclaim God's best for your life this year. Amen? Because he is a God that will give you a new day, give you a new opportunity, give you a new beginning, give you heaven's best. And this is why this year, you might get tired of it, but the Lord... I mean, he quickened me. I was sitting in a medical doctor's office on Thursday, probably most of all day. And the Lord says, why did you stop singing the song? And I thought to myself, what song? Really? So I, I got quiet. How many of you know you need to shut up sometimes and just let God finish speaking? How many of you ever tried to speak with somebody that didn't ever let you finish the sentence? They would just jump in. Then sometimes we do God like that. God starts to speak to us and we jump in. And God then says, why did you stop playing I'm expecting great things at Rainbow? And I said, I don't know. Have you ever given that answer? I don't know. He said, start it back. Start it back. I'm expecting great things. How many of you are expecting great things in 2023? Uh, media team, you are you flowing with me? <laughs> that, that was a sign to say you need to go find that song. I, see, there are some things you just got to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to you at that moment in time. This is a year of great expectancy. This is a year of great miracles. This is a year of, not quite yet. I just wanted you to cue it. <laughs> Amen. And Sister Shira is ready to sing it. But we're expecting great things. This is a year of greatness for you. This is a year of newness for you. This is more than about New Year 2023, year 2023. This is about newness of God's covenant. That a covenant keeping God is going to spring up new things in your life going to spring up new opportunity for you. Not only in your, your, your marriage or in your finances, on your job, in your neighborhood, but even in your church. Something new, something good, something exciting is about to happen to the people of God. Amen? But you got to keep your expectors up. Amen? This is where you let God arrive. 
and the enemies get scattered. I'm expecting great things. I, I need you to sit for just a moment. We're going to sing that song together. I just needed them to cue it. I need four chairs real quick. I need to do what the Lord asked me to do. And he said, this is a year where you have to anoint some people. How many of you know you and I are supposed to be imitators of Christ? How many of you know that? Say, I'm an imitator of Christ. Be an imitator of Christ. Here's what I saw Christ do. Now, the people have talked and preached about different reasons why he did, and I believe many of those reasons are correct. But one of the things that God was doing was showing that in everything that you do, you have to remain humble. Look at what that scripture says. If my people who are called by my name will do what? Humble themselves. And Jesus shows us what real humility is. Humility is not what I grew up. You know, I realized that I grew up where teaching was where a lot of people didn't rightly divide the word of truth. When I heard the word humble, it meant be poor. Have nothing. Humility doesn't mean be poor. God says, I desire that you prosper, be in good health, even as your soul is prospering. Humility means that, folks, you realize that you can't get to a place where you can't serve anymore. And Jesus began to be a servant of all. When they walked into the room, it was nothing uncommon for when you went into a person's house that they would bring out a basin. And the basin had water in it. How many of you know what a basin is? Your grandparents, if you ever, those of you back in the day, your grandparents had a basin in their house. You'd come in and you wash your hand. And, and in, in Israel, it's dusty. It's rocky. It's dusty. And you'd go in, and as soon as you come in, somebody would get a basin and begin to wash your feet. And usually, most of us in America, you have not lived with perhaps a servant in your house. But most countries that I've traveled to, even if we would consider it a poor country, they have somebody working in their house as a servant. And the servant would wash the feet. And Jesus went up into the upper room. And everybody's looking around. Can you imagine Jesus and 12 other people walk into the room and nobody, they don't see a servant. And most of them are thinking, everybody know who Matthew was? What kind of occupation was Matthew? I'm the IRS. I don't be bowing down and washing feet. You understand when I say IRS? He's a tax collector. What's Luke? Luke is a doctor. Do you know I have alphabets in front of my name? DR and a period. I'm Dr. Luke. I surely don't be washing nobody's feet, do I? And sometimes we have gotten so high and mighty that we can't bow a knee, we can't humble ourselves, and we don't serve. So Jesus watched this reaction and this action that was happening of all of his disciples. And so the Bible says, Jesus said, you know what, I'm not just going to stick around and wait. So he took a towel. 
He girded himself with it. He began to have them to sit down one by one and he began to wash their feet. The Lord told me, you need to do this this year in 2023 in Rainbow Family Christian Center. There are servants. There are people who serve. One of the persons that I know that serve, and they serve right alongside me, and maybe they're serving every day, and someday I'm trying to get her to slow down. That's my wife, Miss Pat. Come, Miss Pat, I want you to sit here for just a moment. If somebody can bring me the pails of water. I have a, a servant. Yesterday we, we were having a more memorial service, someone who had gone home to be with the Lord, and uh, we had a funeral that started at uh, 2 o'clock. It was 4 o'clock before it was all over with, and it was all right. It was God. It was a memorial service. There was no body here. It was just a time of reflection. And the Lord told me, preach a, preach a message. Get people saved today. Help them to understand there's only three concepts that they need to be concerned about. That the, and God is concerned about all of them. And the one was the hurt. The second was the help. And then the third one was the hope. And so I preached. And how many of you know, you don't have to know a person to serve. This is why sometimes when I send out a message and say, will you come and serve? I think most people say, well, I don't know her. So I won't come and serve. I want you to change that mindset. You don't come to memorial services or funerals because you know the person. You come because you know Jesus. And you say, what would Jesus do when someone is hurting and someone needs help and someone needs hope? And you say, well, I'll defer and prefer them today. That's what God does. That's what this church has to do. You don't just come to funerals and say, well, I don't know her. I don't recognize her. You may not ever meet some of the people that you serve. I have preached to thousands, and I couldn't call all of their names, but that doesn't stop me from preaching to them, serving them, blessing them, doing the will of God. Do you think that the disciples knew all of the people that Jesus said to them on that day, feed them? Oh, no, I don't feed nobody but people I know. No, there were 5,000 people there. But Jesus was saying, are you truly, how many of you are servants? Lift your hands toward God. Just close your eyes and lift your hand toward God. Because I want you to be servants this year. You don't serve because it's convenient. You don't serve because I know the person. Most of the time, folks, God's going to call you to people that you don't know, and they don't know you, but it's not about you, and it's not necessarily about them. It's about your relationship with God, and you're saying, God, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. I'm a, I'm a servant of the Most High God, and God will call you to serve in many different places. Those that are missionaries, I appreciate their heart because they go to places where they don't know anybody. They don't always know the language. But you know the language of love. And you go carry the language of love. And that's what Jesus was doing when he humbled himself and he said, I want to show you who, what a servant does. A servant doesn't mind bowing down. A servant doesn't mind washing the feet of another. 
So Brother Felix come, and when I was leaving yesterday, uh, Brother Felix says, you go home, Pastor. You and Miss Pat, y'all need to rest. Folks, I'm, I'm gonna, just going to share you. We're going through some things. But the key thing is, we're going through. I'm not going to stop serving. Things come. Challenges come. Sometimes we, the challenge that comes, you go, how am I going to make it through? And then you come to your senses and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? And so Brother Felix says, you go, Pastor. I got this. And, and, and the man of God was in here with a vacuum cleaner. His wife was in the bathroom, cleaning bathrooms. I do that too. I don't ever want to be a pastor that doesn't think that I am so big and my name is so great that I can't clean the house of God. That I can't serve in that capacity. You've got to stay humble. You don't see it as somebody else's job. You see it as the house of the Lord. And when I come to the house of the Lord, I come expecting to serve in whatever capacity. God may not want me to preach one Sunday. He might want you to preach one Sunday. But I come to serve. You have to come to the house of the Lord with a servant attitude this year. Victory, victory, victory in 2023 comes with people that are truly saying, God, whatever you're asking me to do, I'll do it. I, I, I'll tell you, there is, is a comfort for a pastor to know that there are going to be people that are there. No matter what is happening, I can look around and I can say, I know this face will be there. And here's one of those faces. Sister Terry Bell, come on up. I, I, I just want to get there. I need pails of water in front of each one of those, if you don't mind, ushers. The Bible says, oh, how lovely are the feet of those who bring good news and glad tidings. And so, Miss Pat, I do this not as your husband, but as a servant of God. How lovely are the feet of those who bring good news. And I thank God for 2023 and all of the good news that you will bring. And the kingdom of God that will come and the will of God that will be done this year through your hands as you lend your hands to God and serve this church, not only in the CDC and feeding of thousands of people, but just doing those things that will help people to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Brother Felix, I don't consider it a dishonor to bow and to take your feet and to wash your feet today and say to you, every place that your foot shall tread, God will give it to you. You shall be blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, and whatever you put your hands to, God's going to bless it. You and your household shall be blessed of the Lord. Sister Terry, God will bless you. Your feet will be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There will be more required and asked of you, but you will be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Why did I wash these three feet? These are your elders. These are people that God said, in addition to pastor, 
you need to call them sometime. When there's any sick among us, these are the first people that you know you should be calling. Most of you say, I can't get to the pastor. You're not supposed to get the pastor, not, not from that perspective. You understand what I'm saying? It's not that pastor won't go to a hospital and visit the sick. It's not that pastor won't come to your house and pray for you. But he sets an order. How many of you know God's got order? That God's got organization. God does everything decently in order. And he does it because of your good. Look, there was a man in the Bible. His name is Moses. We all know him, don't you? How many of you remember that there was a time when Moses was trying to do everything? His father-in-law, whose name was Jethro, came and he observed his son-in-law, Moses, and he says, Moses, you are from sun up to sun down. I've been there. Sun up to sun down. Sometimes here, well before 6 in the morning and well before 10 at night or 11 at night to go home. And God is saying, but I'm going to send you skillful, diligent, and faithful people. I believe I'm looking at all of you right now. And some of you online, that's all we need. It's the skillful, the diligent, the faithful, committed people that will do the will of God. All the leaders of Rainbow Family Christian Center, I sent out a message and said, please come. This was a mandate from God for me to wash your feet. And I'm going to ask the elders of the church to join me now. All the leaders, Rainbow Family Christian Center, if you serve in a leading capacity, I need you to stand up. I need you to step out in the aisle, and I'm just going to be calling you, and I'll be sharing with the congregation the role or at least a, a, a thumbnail sketch of how you serve. Amen? You're already serving, and I thank God. Give them a hand. You see people standing. I will introduce them to you as they come to kind of help you to understand that it's not just pastor serving. It has to be a whole community. How many of you heard the expression, it takes a whole village? Well, there's a village of people serving today. Hallelujah. This is Miss Whitney, and you know her. You, you all say, well, she's the songbird. She's the psalmist. She's our praise and worship leader. She's the one that's helping us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his court with praise. This is Brother Felix's wife, Angela. Look, whenever there are events, if it's a funeral, if it's something that to have to do with a repast, if it's a breakfast that's got to be done, it's something that's got to be served, Miss Angela is that event person that we just call. You guys go ahead as we call as they come. Amen. This brother standing over here, uh, some of, he's like me. When I first started out in ministry, even the kids called me Mr. Pat. <laughs> because they all knew Miss Pat. And I was just connected to Miss Pat. Ron is connected to Sister, Bear, Sister Terry. And I want him to come, Brother Felix. I want you to, to, to just uh, take the eye couple. What does Ron do in this church? You see that camera all of the time. You see that every time we have a, a baby dedication, every time that we have an event. You walk down the hall sometime and say, oh, there's some nice pictures helping us to see a pictorial history of this church from 1996 to present day. And you, uh, some of y'all went out there and said, that's Pastor. He did have some hair. Yeah, Ron's been catching those pictures ever since. That's what he does. And I thank God for the work that he's doing in the ministry. And look, you heard me say on many occasions, when I'm out there in that pantry, 
There's a person who comes because I, I just have an expectation he's going to be there. We have freezers full of meat that we need to give and put in the hand. When I look around, I see Mr. Ron every Tuesday, every Thursday, out in the cold on every other Saturday, 5,000 miles being fed a month through Rainbow Family Christian Center. And that's up. We started in 2004, and we would deal with probably somewhere around 20 to 30 families. Now, you understand what we're saying? You understand exponentially, ever since COVID, it has been maximized. And God said, this is my heart, this is my will. Amen? Brother Barry, I see you in the back. Come on up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. We're going to have to keep moving now, elders. Amen. Glory to God. Benita, come on. I'm calling some names. You just come and stand until they get a, a seat for you. Brother, Brother Barry. This is Sister Benita. Turn around so the people can see you on the screen as well. Wave at them. How many of you want to really be debt-free and have a plan to have finances continuously. You, every time you see this lady, you ought to say to her, can we sit and talk? You really should. We will do some group things, but sometimes you know how it is with your finances. Sometimes you just need a personal modest touch. She'll do that with you. Her whole thing is, folks, you gotta get out of trying to appear to be something that we aren't. Sometimes you got too much car. Sometimes we got too much house. And we all generally had too much debt. You aren't going to get out of debt right away. Don't think she's going to give you a magic formula and say, poof, your debt's gone. You took you some time to get in it. It's going to take some strategic time to get out of it. But she's got a plan. She's got a plan. And you really should sit down and hear because it is the plan of God for your life. Amen. Go ahead, the ladies, if you'll come. Um, Sister Ursula, come. I know Sister Ursula now by two names. I traveled to uh, the island of Dominica with her one year. Come on, don't be bashful. Face out so the people can see you, the people on the screen can see you. Uh, when I got to Dominica, they, I, I didn't know who Nita Peters was. And I said, who is Nita Peters? Ms. Ursula, that's what everybody in her family knows her by in Dominica. But she came here, she, she went to school at Howard University, I believe, is an accountant, a tax preparer, works a lot of different things. But the thing that she works in Rainbow? Prayer. 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 You need intercessors. Every person that I've come to know, including an opportunity to meet a man years ago, how many of you have ever heard of the name Oral Roberts? I got the chance to sit down and have lunch with Oral Robertson. I wanted to know, Oral, what is it? I didn't ask the question. Somebody else asked the question. But the question was, how is it that you're so effective in healing ministry? He said, I learned something, and he learned something from a man named Reinhard Bunke. How many of you have ever heard of Reinhard Bunke? And he said, he learned something from Reinhard. He said, build the stage, build it high, put people under it, and that pray. So he said, whenever I went on a crusade, you'll notice that the stage was high, and it was high enough for human beings to be sitting up under prayer. He said, people wouldn't have got healed without the prayer. People wouldn't have got saved 
without the prayer. Folks, do you realize much of what's going to happen in the church happens because we what? Pray. The Bible says a man ought to what? Always pray. And we are always praying. Ladies, I commend you every morning at 5 a.m., seven days a week, you're up praying. Every week, every Sunday at 8.30, every Wednesday, every Saturday, Ursula's there with me. Some days I'm leading and some days I can't lead, but I know I can depend on her. She's going to lead prayer. And she's going to reach out to you as congregational members and say, please pray with us. Don't say no. Everybody raise your hand. Raise your right hand and say, this year, when I'm called upon, and you will be called upon, I will not I will not say no. Folks, it's never right to say no to prayer. It's never right to say, well, I don't do that anymore. When you stop surrendering to God to be an intercessor, a prayer warrior, you are literally saying to me as a pastor, I wing it on my own. And none of us can do this on our own. Sit down. I'm going to preach about everybody if I'm, I'm not careful. David, come on up. Alfred, come on up. Hallelujah. David, tell everybody what your last name is. Alfred, come here. My last name is Kirk. And I want you to know he's the treasurer of the church. <laughs> As always. But... Here's the thing, guys. Something in David's name. David went with me one year to Israel. And our tour guide, who was named Ezra, just fell in love with David. He says, Pastor, of all the people that you've ever brought to Israel, I love this man. If I could keep him, I would. He just began to see his spirit. I see David's spirit. This is one of the most gentle and tender-hearted people that you can ever come in contact with. And he is really, really good at what he does. Amen. You know, I learned more about pie charts and graph charts and um, where and how and what we should be doing so that we can be what you heard Inka use the word ROI this morning, return on investment. That's what David is helping us to do as a church. That pastor this is how we're going to maximize what we're doing. And he advises, and I'm calling on him as a member of the board of directors to meet with us every month. And he's always there and sometimes reminding me, Pastor, where are you? We need to be in this meeting today. I thank God for him. He's your treasure. He's our treasure. This young guy here, amen. I met him when he was 12 years old. Alfred, how old are you now? 32. Whoa. What did I skip? You understand where I'm coming from? If I met Alfred at 12 and he's 32, it's been a long relationship. Relationships are not disposable, and people still don't get that when pastors say it. Relationships are not disposable. That's what covenant is about. You may not never, ever agree with me on all points as a pastor, but you don't ever cut your relationship. God. Never cuts his relationship. And Alfred is a kind of guy that's, you'll see him in the background mostly. But what he's doing in the background 
Pastor couldn't preach like he preached. Pastor couldn't have done those PowerPoints like he'd done if it hadn't been for a person like Alfred. I don't know nothing about none of them lights. I don't know nothing about no, uh, uh, all of this kind of technology that we're using to stream and to go out. This is Alfred. He knocks it out of the park. You know, if I had to have a designated hitter when it comes to uh, media and sound and man, Alfred is knocking it out of the park. And we don't say it often. Because they're background people there. And Alfred is okay being in the background. But I see Alfred every day now. <laughs> because those big pallets, well, Mr. Barry, he didn't go on back. He didn't let me talk about him. That, Mr. Barry and I used to be the one handling all those pallets. And then Mr. Barry had to have open heart surgery. Mr. Barry had to have hip replacements. All those things which I knew was just really too much of a strain. Here comes Alfred, this little guy. <laughs> See, I, I still sometimes get caught back up to 12 years old. And all Alfred do was follow me all around everywhere just talking. He didn't never shut up. <laughs> he all had 101 questions. And now he's finding me giving him 101 questions. And I believe that from generation to generation, that is what's supposed to happen after a while. The one who was asking the question, you are now asking them the question because God has anointed them to do something special. Give the Lord a clap clap in. Uh, amen. Uh, thank you, leaders. I know you've been standing for a while. Um, Faith, come on. Um, Felicia, come on. Hallelujah. I'm going to say this in advance of the other people that were about to wash their feet. Some of you know that this is your year to step up and step in. And the Lord says, you wash their feet because this is a year of their beginning. There is no title. You don't have any title. You just know, I'm ready. And pastor, I'm going to be available to you this, this year. I'm going to be available to God this year. I'm going to be available to this church to serve. Faith, uh, when did I first meet you? You were five, maybe. Deline would probably tell you she was three years old. Pastor does remember that. Uh, they say a man should never ask the lady her age, but may I ask you your age? Oh, Lord. Everybody understand relationship? I, I met Faith when she was three. Uh, matter of fact, her Zeke, you'll come here. How old is Zeke? Zeke, you're four. Come here, Zeke. This is, this is Miss Faith's youngest son. Come on, Elijah. I'm not leaving you out either. Come on up here. Now, that means Faith was about this size. Come here. Turn. Turn face back. That meant Pastor could do this with Faith when she was this age. And Faith started doing this <laughs> when I first picked her up. Now, Pastor had a Jackson 5 Afro back in the day. <laughs> And Faith was just patting it. And you know what she said? Fluffy like a bear. <laughs> and you know what? God put a God relationship there. And Faith spent a lot of time at our house with Miss Pat and I. Faith and I spent a lot of time. And every year I could see God developing something. Faith has gone on now, and Faith is the principal of the school here, Rainbow Family Christian Academy, and doing an outstanding job. Faith is that person that heads up all of the mission trip that this church takes and the directions that we're going to go in debt. 
Faith does a lot. And as principal, folks, it's not just about the curriculum. She takes on all the administrative tasks. We have to deal with architects. We have to deal with uh, fire marshals. We have to deal with police. We have to deal with a whole number of different issues that I do not ever have to think about. And she's doing this to the glory of God and raising two beautiful young children. Amen. Faith, go ahead and take your seat there. Boys, you go back and sit with Granny. Amen. You all heard her a few weeks ago talk about 2022 and the challenges she faced. Dad going home to be with the Lord and uh, prior to that, all of the caregiving that she was doing, being a financial analyst working for the Navy. Are you with the Air Force now, though? She with DOD. Okay. And I won't talk too much about a job, but it's demanding. Finances is demanding. Mom also having some challenges, and a daughter just stepping up. And then she look around, and there's her own daughter, who is to give birth to a child. The child coming some days or much earlier than expected. Doctors talking about challenges, and she's saying, "But I got a covenant God." Look, I had said last year we were going to start our children's church in August. But I know that we couldn't because Felicia was going through some things, and the Lord said, she's, her plate is too full, and you will put pressure on her to try to get things going back in August. And it was my heart's desire. To get, and it, I know it was her heart's desire. And she came to me last week. Last Sunday, she says, Pastor, I met with teachers. I had more help than I, I thought we would have. We have a nursery ready to go, and we're going to get ready to go immediately. I'll let her tell you that timing. It won't be today, but maybe next week she'll come back and she'll talk to you about that timing of our children's church reopening. And so many of you need to help us serve in there. Men, men. Hey, Robert. Hey, David. Hey, Toby. I need men to teach in the children's church. You know why? Yeah, Pat said Pablo, so Pablo, yes, you too. <laughs> hey, Vandy, good to see you. Hey, man. Charles, how are you? All the men in this church, you need to serve this year. And one of the greatest places that you can serve is with children. Why? Because in church and in our public school, do you know what young men assume is happening when they don't receive but females in front of them? That is women's work. And they begin to assume in the house of the Lord that this is women's work because they only see women in front of them. And men, I need you to stand up and let young men know that God calls men. He called Adam. He called David. He called others. Even when he was coming and Jesus came on the earth, look at who he called and said, follow me. This is a year where your pastor is saying, follow me. Would I ask you to teach in children's church if I had never done it? How do you think I know Alfred like this? Faith like this? Other in this house that are now adult because I taught in children's church. How do you think I can teach adults? Look, when we were hosting uh, what we call cell groups in our home, I didn't teach adults in my home. Miss Pat taught the adults. 
She went downstairs in our family room. I stayed upstairs in our living room with children and taught children. Still today, I still have a passion to teach children. Every Wednesday is one of my favorite times at this church at 9 a.m. Because all the children from the academy come in and we go through the word of God together. Except you come like a little child. The Bible says you can know why I enter into the kingdom of God. I love children. From the very moment that we started this church in July of 1996, we started in our home. We had to have children's church. And guess what? Miss Pat was doing the preaching and pastor was preaching to the kids. All of a sudden, God brought skillful, diligent, faithful people to help us. We had to move from our house because it got too crowded, and we went into a hotel. It was the Ramada Inn. It's called the Comfort Inn. It's in Beltsville, right there at the beltsville Cavalton exit. That's where we started the church at, or I would say continued. You know what? We weren't just looking to rent a room to have a service for adults. We rented several rooms because we had to have children's church. Children's church is a part of pastoring. You can see, do you realize we don't invite children to come up here and sit on the front? They do it. And sometimes I know you parents are holding them back. I want to tell you, stop holding the kids back. Let them come. There's an anointing that God allows us to transfer. Miss Pat, if you all look at our wedding pictures, our wedding pictures on the day that she and I got married, January 31st, 1981, the first four rows of the church was nothing but children. Matter of fact, the ladies in the church told Miss Pat, we're not sure that those little girls are going to let you marry him. Miss <laughs> Pat has an anointing early on with the little boys. I have an anointing early on with the little girls, and then it flips over. When the little boys become about 12, they gravitate back toward me. The little girls, when they come about 12, they gravitate more toward Miss Pat. We don't know why God did it like that. And we don't ever ask him questions. We just thank him that he does that. So we can bless him and transfer anointing. I mean, you know that that's biblical to transfer anointing. Going back to Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. He says, Moses, the anointing that's on you, you're going to transfer on to leaders. Go ahead and sit, Miss Felicia. She's our children's church director. She was the bookstore. We stopped the bookstore because of COVID because we didn't have a lot of foot traffic going through there. She was had a little breakfast bar going for us every morning because we would come in at 8.30 and pray in the chapel. And then people would transition before the early morning service and just go have a cup of coffee, a breakfast sandwich. Miss Felicia was doing all of that. And now she's ready to get, as we would say, a relaunching of our children's church. Come on, Tammy. Hallelujah. I met Tammy when Tammy was 14. It's not right for a man to ask a lady her age, but Miss Tammy, how are you? How old are you now? 53. Miss Tammy is the same age? No. <laughs> she's 14, she's 54. Relationships are not disposable. And we are finding that in our age that we're living in, people don't think they need to maintain relationship, and so they cut them off. Again, if you ask Tammy, did you agree with everything that Pastor uh, was doing at times? She'll say, no. Did I agree with everything that she was doing at times? No. 
But what we, it, it's like being a brother and a sister, folks. You don't st ever stop being a brother. You don't ever stop being a sister. I have seven sisters. I have two brothers. I don't ever stop being their brother. You don't ever stop being my brother or, or my sister. It's important for us to know that. Tammy works with our young adults. Tammy is a home sale leader. Tammy has been a youth pastor for us. Tammy's been just about everything in the church. She's an ordained minister of the gospel, preaches with fire and anointing. And we thank you for serving. We thank you for your leadership. And pastors, don't call on you to lead some more. Amen. Go. Hallelujah. Miss Harriet, I see you back there. Come on. Yinka, uh, Nakia, come here. Uh, Miss Harriet is that person that we have to call on. And we haven't been able to do it as much in COVID um, because uh, many of you weren't comfortable with people coming to your home. The hospital wasn't comfortable with us coming into hospitals. But this is the person that we would rely on to go to the hospital, to go to the home, to administer communion along with Elder Felix. They would just go and just visit the sick and the shut-in, sometimes we would call them. They were even named the, the ministry, and they called it Brothers Keepers. In other words, we want to keep up. Pastor can't go everywhere. He, he can't go everywhere, and, and there must be errands and hurries in ministry. Do you understand the, the story of Aaron and her in the Bible? Moses is, is on, uh, on assignment by God to hold up the staff. They're in a battle. Joshua is down there leading the troops, and they're winning, and they're winning. They realize every time Moses keeps that staff up, they're just advancing. But Moses gets tired. What you, anybody know what happens if you hold your hand up for a while and you get tired? He starts to droop, doesn't it? And they, were, they realized something, that when his hands was drooping, they were losing battle. They, the, they started to lose the battle. Two men were with him, one named Aaron, named, one named Hur. They, they said, let's let him sit and let's prop his arm up. These are people that prop your arm up. Harry is one of those people that helps to keep our arms propped up. I will not deny that Miss Pat and I, we're drubbing, both of us. I will not deny that when you look around here and you say, Pastor, how many days of a week are you at the church? It's seven. It's seven days. What's your day off, Pastor? Monday. Do you take it off, Pastor? So much to be done. And that's why God is saying this year is a year where I'm going to raise up workers, pastor, Aaron's, hers, that will come and serve this year alongside of you. Amen. Miss Harriet, please. Um, these two, you can't, do you understand? There's an expression. It's not a biblical expression, but it says teamwork is like dream work. This is a team. This is a tremendous team of ushering and greeting. I never have to think about it. Even yesterday, I don't even know if I even requested ushers to come and serve and help this family in that memorial service. When I looked up, there was Yinka. You know, Yinka's wife, uh, Amy. Amy, where are you? She's back there on the media. Come here real quick. I think Amy's pregnant, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> come quickly, Amy. Amen. Very soon we're going to be uh, doing something real special with Amy, and uh, I just want to make sure you know who Amy is. Um, this is one and one, 
and they equal one. Both of them strong in the Lord. I, I, I would just be so encouraged when they were in marriage counseling. How many years ago now? Three and a half. Amy would come and pray for me before we started our sessions of marital, premarital counseling. She actually would come, and I believe she could see some of the weariness on me. And it was just, God would just prompt her, I need to pray for pastor. And I wasn't her pastor then. She didn't even know me. But she knew this man who was serving, and she knew that he was committed in this house, and she became committed in this house. And she serves in our media ministry. And when is the baby due? End of March. She don't even look like she pregnant. <laughs> God bless you. Amen. And so Yinka has served. And, you know, I remember the first time I asked Yinka to stand up in the pulpit. Um, Yinka, I think, is the quietest of the Gunsalati boys. There is Toyin, there is Yinka, and there is uh, Sheyun. And Sheyun, you know, when he was here, he was a uh, part of youth ministry. And Toyin, um, Toyin, watch out. Miss Pat is always matchmaking you. She was talking about <laughs> your mate the other day. <laughs> uh, they both served. Toyin is, uh, uh, he's, um, he's written databases for us. He is serving beside me every Tuesday and Thursday when he can. He's working. One of those people that are still working from home. And so... Uh, his home on Tuesday and Thursday has been rainbow, and he's come out here and he's helped serve uh, practically every Tuesday. So he is a, uh, a powerful. And then there are times when we have so much in excess, and I said, i got to put this on the truck, and I'm going to take it to a neighborhood. And Torian says, well, you can't go by yourself, Pastor. I'm going with you. And he's been out in the neighborhood. Sometimes it's been hot. Sometimes it's been cold. But every time I look around, he's serving. Yinka is that same kind of guy. He's on your board of directors here at Rainbow Family Christian Center. Uh, what's your occupation? Lawyer. He's a lawyer. He's an esquire. Amen. And we thank God for his legal and uh, sound advice that he gives. Go. But he and this young lady, Nakia, I'm not going to ask when I met you, but I know ever since the doors of this church opened, Nakia has been here, and Nakia has served as a faithful uh, Usher and, and her and Yinka, they were trained under the late sister Deborah Small, and they were just they would just suck it up. They would learn, and Debbie I think would say to them, "You're going to have to step up. You're going to have to step up." And they didn't know, and I didn't even know that Deborah would leave us so soon and go home to be with the Lord. And even on the day of her funeral, they were stepping it up, and they haven't stopped since. And we thank God for them. Go. Amen. Amen. Now, let me extend this. I said to many of you, you actually know you're supposed to step up this year. I want you to stand. And I want to personally wash your feet. Come altar. This is altar gracia. What does your, mean, your name mean, altar gracia? Higher grace. Higher grace. And there's a higher grace for you, and God's grace is sufficient. There are others of you. Stand up. There's others of you. You know you're supposed to be serving. Come on. Come on. This is the year. This is the year of saying, look, there are things that you just have to do. Sometimes you, I think we're waiting for other people. We're waiting for other things to happen. God says, no, it's got to happen now. 
It's got to happen now. And this is a year of service, folks. This is a year of service. This is a 2023 year of victory, 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 victory. Let me just say this. All the men in the church, immediately after the service on next Sunday, uh, and please, all of you who attend service, I'm going to ask all of you to move out quickly because I need to have a personal and private moment with all the men of this church. All the men in this church. Right after the service on next Sunday, right after that message is preached, you will be gathering with me, please, and come to the altar, because I have something from the Lord to share with every man in this church. And I know it's going to resonate with you, and it's going to cause us to do what the Lord gave me a name. It was for men's ministry, and it's called MOVE, M-O-V-E. It just simply stands for Men of Valor and Excellence. Men of valor. David was able to get more done in the kingdom when he found mighty men of valor. And there you are. You're sitting there. And I know that God has put something in each one of you. And you're men of valor. But we've got to go out and take the battle to the enemy. Amen? So this is my dentist. <laughs> but I don't think she's here to do dental work in the house. God's got a work of great ministry for this woman of God. Um, she, she's the mother of two giants, two boys that they were here, they were here, they were here, and they're off in college. Both are in college now, and uh, we look forward for them and the good reports that are coming from them. This is um, Sister Miriam. She was busy getting her doctorate degree in Dr. Miriam and working, 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 working. But God has a work of ministry for her now. This is also Gracia, and she's always busy. She and Charles doing a number of different things. Her boys grew up in this church, all three of them. Two of them are serving in the military now. Uh, and we are thankful and we pray for them. They are in my prayer list on a daily basis to pray for them. And these boys that I've been talking about so much, Yinka and Toyin and Shayun, this is mama. Though Miss Pat will say, my boys, this is mama. Amen. This is the birth canal. But Miss Abe, we've known each other. Oh. Shayun wasn't even born. Toy Yinka was about faith age, about three years old. I think you all, if you didn't know, we have history. This, this, this church has a long history, a really long history, a really long friendship and relationship and fellowship. Miss Avi really encourages my heart, and she shared with you her testimony, so I won't be saying anything new. She went through a tremendous battle with cancer. But Miss Avi would call her. And she said to the pastor, let's pray. Sometimes I would, I, it wouldn't be me praying, it would be Miss Abby praying because she was a woman of faith. When doctors said it couldn't be done, Miss Abby says, the covenant that I have with God, the covenant that you've been teaching me about, Pastor, says it's possible. Right. I mean, he didn't know all things are possible with God. Amen. And so it's now, years after what doctors said couldn't happen, is happening. And you see her saying, look, she, she reminds me of Joshua in the Bible and, and Caleb. Do you remember Caleb in the Bible? 
You remember what Caleb, Joshua gets all of the, the, the uh, uh, as it were, the notoriety there. But Caleb says something to Joshua when they were about to go into the promised land. Only two people, two adults, out of all of those adults that came out of Egypt, only two. And why were they? They were the people who had a good report. They went in, they saw the land, they said, yes, people are big, yes, the fruit is plentiful, and, but the people said, but we're like grasshoppers, not Caleb, not Joshua. Miss Abby is like that. And here she, you see her standing this morning saying, give me this mountain. Give me an opportunity this year to serve and to serve my God. Amen. All of you go ahead and sit, sit, and we will talk later this year. I won't um, speak specifically about the call of God on their life. I just know that they're saying, Lord, here am I. I'm answering that call. And ladies, if you would, uh, we're, oh, Lord, I got to remember my assignment. <laughs> you watched him, Pastor. Amen. Miss Abby, if I may please. Father, I thank you for the feet of this soldier of the cross, and I thank you, Father, for the things that you have in store for her, the things that you're going to do in and through her this year. Great and mighty, great and mighty. Play that song. I'm expecting great things. Stand to your feet, congregation, and let us know that God's about to do great things, not only through those that have already served and are serving in leadership, but those that are saying, I'm ready to come alongside, and my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and I will be a servant of the most high God. You remind me of Peter. They put two, one feet in, you put both feet in. Watch them both, Pastor. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. God bless you. And may your feet always carry you swiftly in every place that your foot shall tread. God will give it to you. Miriam, God has called you for some time, and you are doing what you did. You smile, you laugh, you had some challenges, and God said, I'm going to trouble your trouble, and I'm going to give you blessing after blessing after blessing. God, thank you for adding to the house as you see fit, and those that with skills, with diligence, with faithfulness, that will come and serve and help your people to grow. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Lift it up. Great thing. The Lord told me, don't stop playing that song. Are you just, in your life, what is you going to do? That's what God will do. 2023 and beyond. In my home, you do great things.
I'm expecting great things. I'm expecting great things. Great things. In my life, what will God do? Great things. In my home, Lord, you do great things. All around you this year, God will be doing great things. I should not see, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. I choose to believe. But I choose to believe. Great thing. Great thing. Expecting great things this day, this week, this year. Because that's the God that we serve. He's a covenant-keeping God. Expect great things from this house being led by the Spirit of God. Expect great things from these leaders that you've witnessed with their feet being washed and saying, I'm here, I'm committed to serve. And God, we thank you. We pledge to serve you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, amen and amen. Go expecting great things. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.